It is the 200 level episode 288, Mike Carpenter in the basement. Sorry, just tweaking a few things in the live feed. There we go. Hi, YouTube Live. Hello, Alani fans. Wow. Um, Where to begin processing last night's game? Well, I I can tell you where we will begin. My voice already cracked, which kind of tells you the night that I had. And also why I'm drinking Gatorade during this podcast. It was loud in there last night. 44,000 people were into it. I was one of those 44,000. And yeah, I wish it would have been a sellout and all that. But the people that were there knew that there was something bigger than just a football game against Iowa, which is big enough. That's big enough. But it all felt like there was an opportunity within that stadium to maybe witness something special. And you might laugh at that notion that it was a nine to six game. It was ugly by most accounts. And yet I genuinely had a great time for all three and a half hours. Now, you know, I've harped many times on this podcast about how long and arduous going to college football games can be. But that was when Illinois wasn't winning. And now that they're winning, I could be in that thing for four hours and I'll be okay. That really does change everything, doesn't it? And I think what made last night so consequential, and I use that word quite a bit, but why it was so consequential is that you doubled down on beating former Big Ten West, you know, top of the hill kind of teams in Wisconsin and Iowa. You doubled down on that, right? Winning at Wisconsin would have been one thing. Had they lost last night, I turned to my dad and said, man, this is why people stay away from the stadium. I think it was after the third Isaiah Williams fumble. Yeah, I thought this is why people stay away from the stadium because they they feel like they are going to have that gut punch or you can replace the G with an N and that kind of punch would work as well. And there were moments last night where it certainly felt like that. The biggest, of course, was in the fourth quarter. Art Sitkowski, inexplicable play call, but we'll get to that in a bit. He fumbles, or so it appears. Now, initially, I thought he was down, and I thought they'll call this back, but then the replays that we were seeing on the Jumbotron, I didn't pick up on the elbow. I kept looking at, was his butt down? Someone said his left thigh is down, but I thought, well, maybe that Iowa defender's arm is under it, and if so, that's a touchdown, and we lose in heartbreaking fashion yet again. But within the span of 30 seconds, you get the official to come out and say, the play is overturned. Illinois ball, and then the backup kicker makes his third field goal of the night. And at that point, I thought, wow, the tide is turning here. Then the Matthew Bailey interception. And then, yeah, they got the ball back, and I wasn't really worried about Iowa with the ball, no timeouts in a minute to go, but I've seen crazier things. And you force them into a, what, fourth and 32? And they do the little crazy Statue of Liberty play, or whatever you want to call it, all the laterals. The band is on the field. The band is on the field. Didn't work. And you won. You won despite three turnovers. You won despite your starting quarterback going out in the first quarter and Art Sitkowski generally being ineffective and and at certain points foolish. You won with everything kind of going against you and all based on the strength of a defense that's phenomenal and actually a special teams that got the job done. Who would have thought that? And oh yeah, let's not forget Chase Brown. Chase Brown. But it was a team effort. You know, while it was not pretty and it was every bit the ugly affair that a lot of people thought it would be against Iowa. Man, I think if Tommy DeVito would have stayed in the game, maybe 24 to 13 would have happened, or maybe it would have just been 24 to 6. You were moving the ball. But then when you had to adjust, you didn't adjust all that gracefully and you found yourself in the kind of game that Iowa 
tends to win, except you did. I have seen so many games in that stadium, and often at night, there's this weird buzz that envelops Memorial Stadium at night that I love. And while I will take the 11 a.m. game, and that way I can enjoy the rest of the day after the game, I think there was something that much more meaningful about the Iowa game being at night. And for me, and I think a lot of Illini fans, I don't want to pin too much on one game against a down Iowa team, at least their offense. However, it felt to me in a lot of ways like you were kind of exercising the demons. I'm not going to compare that to the Michigan game in 2000 necessarily because that was one of the craziest environments I've been in in any sport. And how I felt walking out of the stadium that night, I was, let's see, at that point, 13 years old. And it just sucked. I remember that the next day, of course, I wasn't drinking at age 13, but whatever emotional hangover there was, it lasted for me well into that next week. And certainly for the team, when they got beat by Minnesota at the Metrodome, they lost, what, 45 to 10 or something. They fell apart after that Michigan game. I've seen these moments where, gosh darn it, we have it and then somehow managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Or there are external circumstances like bad officiating calls or what have you. However we've lost those games, it's built into this collective sort of Murphy's Law thing. We always assume the worst is going to happen for Illinois football. I don't assume that anymore. And this is only year two of the Brett Bielema experience. I hope year two of many. But I don't assume the worst anymore. Art Sitkowski could be the starter on Saturday against Minnesota. And I'm still going to think, oh, we'll find a way to get the win here. And maybe they won't. Maybe they will. This team's probably not going to go 11-1, and right? They will lose another game or two or three. But doggone it, they are good. They're really good. That defense is legit. I think my dad said something as simple as this sounds. It really hit me. He just said, we got a good football team. Or maybe he just said, it's nice to have a good football team. And I'll just use that word because we haven't been able to say good very much. We've had seasons where maybe they go to a bowl, like back in 2014 or 2019. But those were cases where it was better to be lucky than good. This team has created their own luck. They've faced adversity and faced bad luck. And in five of these six games, they've overcome that. There's not many scenarios that you'd look at as as Trevor was texting me and Isaac this morning that would make you say, well, this team could easily be two and three. No, this team is either going to be 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh and maybe 4-2, and two, right? But not worse than 4-2. and two. They have been good from the gun. And we're halfway through a season. We aren't really seeing any signs of slippage. In fact, we're seeing a defense get better. And apart from some play calling last night and, of course, DeVito getting hurt, you start to feel pretty good about your offense. I still do. Despite last night, I still feel pretty good about that offense. So to me, the consequential nature of that game was exercising demons from years past. And that's not to say there won't be other disappointments or heartbreakers in that stadium. It's college football. It will happen, but when it does, it's not going to have the same tinge of, here we go again. You know, I was talking to Kara this morning, and she's not really a big football fan, so I I was telling her why this game felt so big and and why last night I couldn't go to sleep until like 12.30, 1 o'clock. It's why I'm drinking Gatorade this morning. Ugh, God. (laughs) I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Um, Yeah, this is something that in 35 years, I've not felt. Fleeting, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl. Micron PC was the year that really got my dad and I back into it, fully invested. But man, that's a short list. And 
you always had the rug pulled out from you not long after that. You know, after the Sugar Bowl, you go five and seven. After the Rose Bowl, you go five and seven. You don't maintain anything. Well, from the minute they hired Brett Bielema, I thought they could get to something, they could maintain something. I think that if they can just get to a certain level, he can keep it, unlike previous coaches. And here we are just exponentially improving and finding ourselves in a position where this window of opportunity in the Big Ten West, as long as that division lasts, I know we're going to have a 16-team conference sooner rather than later, but as long as that lasts, you you are really at an advantageous position. And I can go to games on Saturdays now. I, I don't want to stay in the lots. This is the FOMO that Josh Whitman was talking about. I want to be in there. I, I want to see this journey unfold. And so far, six games into it, you're five and one. I mean, pinch me. This team is five and one. I said seven and five at the beginning of the year, thinking that, well, you'd have to kind of dink and dunk your way to that. No, 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 no. Eight and four, right there. Nine and three, a distinct possibility. And I, like I said, every Saturday I go in or I turn on the TV, I expect they're going to win. When I go to Ann Arbor, when Karen and I drive up and go with her uh, sister and brother-in-law, who are Michigan fans, I'm going to be quietly confident that at the very least, it's going to be a good game. And then why the heck not? That's how much I believe. And, uh, you know, not to get all Ted Lasso on you, but... It's just such a far cry from what I've experienced as a Lanai football fan. A Lanai basketball has treated me very well. And I know we don't have the title yet, but I think we'll get that someday. But overall, it's treated us very well. It gives us so much to cheer for and look forward to. Football, not the same. It's like an abusive relationship. We keep coming back. And the 44,000 people there last night, same thing. They kept coming back and they wanted so badly to believe. And finally, you're getting that payoff. I'm just so happy. I said last night in the tweet after the game, just basking in the glow. I'm so happy, happy right now, and I love all of you. And it's true. I do. Even the ones that have given me crap, and that's okay. It's fandom. It's sports. This is what we do. We get a little nuts sometimes. And I got a little nuts yesterday. That's why my voice is like this, and why I'm drinking Gatorade. But it's just nice, isn't it? It's nice to wake up on a Sunday. I went for a run today. said, I got to run by the stadium. I, I just, I want to be around it. The aura that's emanating from that stadium when Illinois football is good. You just want to be around it and, and experience things that for too long, other fan bases have been able to experience and we've been left in the dust. Just, you know, continually showing up and not getting the payoff. And now we're getting that payoff. It feels so good. It's not relief. And it's not just catharsis. It's joy. And that's why we love sports, right? It's pure joy. Being able to be in that stadium, sitting next to my dad last night, something that, you know, COVID changes your perspective on this too. Just being able to appreciate doing these things again, getting back to it. I mean, my God, we've been doing this, my dad and I, since 2000. So that's 22 years that we've been doing this. And there's been, there are plenty of people in there that have been doing it far longer than that. And it's just so cool to know that at 10 o'clock last night, as everyone was filtering out and you just see the smiles and you see the raised arms in the air, just jubilation and joy for a fan base that so richly deserves it. And not to make this all about the fans, a team that is so likable, that is so tough it's so easy to be proud of this team and how they're playing. It's so easy to be proud of a defense that knocks the crap out of the opponent and, a, and an offense that will just run it down your throat. That's fun. 
gets the bloodlust going. I had that bloodlust last night. Man, oh man. After Sam Laporta's sixth catch or whatever, I thought, rip his head off. And he's a nice kid. It's not, I didn't actually want us to rip his head off. But man, I I'm gonna be saying that a few times. But man, you know, that's my that's my filler for when I, I'm not exactly sure what to say. So before I go too long-winded in this opening segment, and I realize that it was a long-winded kind of verbal diarrhea, for lack of a better metaphor, it's because I'm just swimming in a lot more emotions than I thought I would be following a win like that. Now, before I get ahead of myself, I do got to let you know that we have excellent sponsors of this podcast, including DP Doe. I hope you got a celebratory calzone last night. They're open late, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. One sec here. I'm going to mute the YouTube. There we go. Uh, brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. I feel bad because I think Brian had a, a wedding to go to. We were talking during the Chattanooga game, and he said, I hope that Iowa game's not at night because... Yeah, so I, I don't think he was there last night. Hopefully, he'll be back in the lots for Minnesota and maybe sometime coming down here to help me do some of these post-game or fourth-quarter podcasts. So, brianismyguy.com. Also, Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com for all your home exterior projects. That's rectorconstruction.com. Yes, we're getting into some cooler weather, but these guys can basically work year-round. Uh, the expert craftsmanship, of course, but the customer service is second to none. These guys are True Blue, Illini fans. They're Champaign-Urbana residents. They get back to the community a lot, too. That is rectorconstruction.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Let me give this cued up for you, Cody. These guys are terrific, and they got some really cool things going on here in October and November, including... Here we go. Do you have any leaks in your house? We got an old house. We fortunately don't, but I know the guys to call if we do. Old pipes are an easy fix for the guys uh, Dogtown Heating and Plumbing. They also have a hydro jetting machine, which if you got stubborn clogs, that'll help get that out of there for you. We've had that before. So again, we know who to call if you got stubborn drains or you need to fix a leak. That's 217-841-4728. And let one of Dogtown's friendly team members come to your home and do a whole home inspection. Tell them you heard this commercial on the 200 level, and you'll get 10% off Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. I will vouch for them. Matthew came in, uh, one of their techs, he came in to do a furnace check. It was just awesome. So Dogtown Heating, Air, they're fast becoming one of the go-tos in town for good reason, or really East Central Illinois. Alani Inquirer, they've been pushing out all the goods during this incredible Alani football season, and also Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Hi, YouTube live feed. I want to hear from you, and I got some awesome things here. I also want to say John, uh, talk to him. He's a listener and a viewer. Talked to John in the lots yesterday. That was a great conversation. Uh, there he is. John, good to see you, bud. And uh, thank you, guys. I love seeing the same names that we've had in, in weekends past. And I appreciate you joining me on a morning where maybe I'm a little bit rough around the edges. Yikes. Uh, I got the coffee here, the Gatorade here. Um <laughs> 35 ain't 25. That's all I got to say about that. Let me get some coffee real quick. Mm. Yeah, caffeine. Okay, so, Big Tota. Hey, Carp, how awesome was it being there? 
amazing. And maybe, Tody, you're just saying that as a statement. Maybe you were there too, but it was great. You know, the reason why we go to college football games, and you know me, like I said, I complain about the length of these games. And uh, last night actually had a fairly good pace for as ugly of a game as it was. Had a pretty good pace. I was never bored. That's for darn sure. Um, But yeah, it was great being there because as I was talking to John in the lots, you know, fandom is both a shared and a personal experience. Now, after the game, it was a very personal experience. And in moments where it's just me and my dad talking about, okay, you know, we're trying to predict the next play or do our kind of armchair strategy, you know, that's a personal thing. But then the shared experience of being able to look around you and just see the joy, right? That That's just cool. I mean, there is a reason why people continue to go to sporting events and concerts and spend big money doing it is because the payoff when it works is so extravagant, right? And uh, it was excellent being there, Big Toto, because it felt like this was a shared experience that everyone in there is going to remember forever. The 9-6 to win over Iowa. Back in the 80s, in 83, they talk about the Thomas Rooks run against Ohio State is a really big moment. And I think they beat Michigan either the week before or the week after. So talk about a one-two punch of October wins in that Rose Bowl year. And that was a big moment for a lot of Illini fans. Now, this game in particular, I the Matthew Bailey interception, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, it, to me, it's actually the, as I mentioned in the opening segment, the Sitkowski fumble that was returned for a touchdown that was overturned because his elbow was down. And thank God for that. And then immediately making the game-winning kick after that. That, to me, more than any sort of highlight play, it was the blooper that wasn't. It was the nut punch that wasn't. After years and years of there being plenty of gut and nut punches for Illini fans. So to be there for that big Toda is meaningful and something that in my short list of most memorable games at Memorial Stadium, that's certainly up there. This is from uh, Jalen Galoz. If I'm saying that right, it was an absolute war, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, to watch these defenses go at it, I I prefer offense. I mean, it's just more exciting. I thought that Illinois' offense was moving the ball well at certain points in the game. Even in the third quarter, they had a great drive going with the run game, and then it just kind of stalled. And that's a good defense, but also some suspect play calling. But it was a war. I mean, these defenses were just absolutely brutal out there, and ours was better. Our defense was better. Then this Iowa defense that we would call elite, yeah, that's fine. They, they, they are statistically elite. We're eliter and tougher, and we hit harder. All of that, it was an absolute war, and we won against our hated rival. Heated rival, hated rival, whatever. Jacob says that overturn call was a makeup for 2007. You know, that crossed my mind when it was 6-6 six to six going into the fourth quarter. It's 2007 all over again. Rose Bowl season, you go to Iowa City, you lose just, an, and that game was not even fun. Last night was fun, and probably fun because we came out on top, but it was not, and it wasn't even so bad it was good. I can't say that. I know the score would indicate that it was an ugly game. There was this Twitter account called Sickos Committee where they love, they, they relish bad college football, of which there is a lot. On the Iowa side, offensively, there was bad football. There were some silly plays from Art Sitkowski. But then you watch the defense, and that's that's legit. That's good stuff. And, yeah, to me, this was different than that, Jacob. The 2007 game was just Illinois didn't show up to play for whatever reason. They, they really just let Iowa hang around and hang around. And that was not a good Iowa team. I don't know how good this Iowa team is. I know the defense is a lot better than the 07 Iowa defense. 
but the overturn for the ineligible man downfield call. It was a Jacob Willis touchdown, I think, from Eddie McGee. They got called all the way back. Yeah, it was a makeup. Uh, from Jalen Gallows, if I'm saying that right again, sorry, but uh, what was the biggest cheer from the crowd last night? The INT, the overturn call, last May field goal. I think the INT. I think Bailey's INT. I think the overturned call, there was enough percentage of fans that exhaled instead of cheer. I exhaled. I just, like that. The cheer at the interception, that felt like, yeah, it's over. Now, granted, Iowa got the ball back with a minute to go, but they had to use all three timeouts. You darn near got a first down to end it. Oh, you were so close. Chase Brown is so good. But I think that the INT was the biggest one. Big Tota says, no touchdowns allowed at Memorial Stadium still. That's incredible. What a stat. We're going to get to some really cool stats from the Illini Stats and Notes people on Twitter. Big Tota says, was 2011 the last time we were this close to bowl eligibility the first part of October? Yes. In fact, you started 6-0. and Not even 5-1, but 6-0. and And I was at the game at Indiana in early October where you got that sixth win. And it felt like, wow, you know, we're going to go 9-3. and John actually thinks the biggest cheer was for the call that was overturned. Uh, but also, John, good point here. The contrast between how quiet it was when the ref started to make the announcement. Yeah. Then the cheer. I could see why people thought that was the biggest cheer of the night. So yeah, between that and the Bailey interception. But it's true. There was this hush. And you started to see, I, I felt optimistic because I saw the Illini defense start like nodding like, yeah, yeah, we got this. We're, we're getting off the field. And... I was hoping that they had some inside intel that allowed them to start working their way off the field. So it was just such a relief. I mean, my God, if they had not overturned that, would I be doing a podcast right now? No, I'd probably be even more (laughs) under the weather, as the kids might say. Okay, this is from Joseph. He says the interception was the biggest one as well. Uh, Let's see here. At least from where I was watching, it seemed like there was an open target in the end zone. I feel like Art was very hesitant, which for the offense uh, that Lunny runs, that's not good. Yeah, okay, I, I would agree. The interception where you were watching it. Um, let's see here from... I'm going to get to more of these as we go through, but it's. I appreciate you guys coming here on this Sunday morning. Let's get into the stats of this game, of which there are many that stand out. If you do not follow Illini stats on Twitter, I recommend you do. They find a lot of these really kind of cool off the beaten path anomalies. Now, I'll start with the basic box score here. Net yards for each team. Illinois gets 316, Iowa 222. 316 is not bad against a defense like Iowa. I remember seeing that Rutgers got 360 against Iowa and thinking to myself, you can do this. You can move the ball. And Illinois did move the ball. Uh, Let me just make sure I got all these correct here. Yes, this box score is the final box score. So 316 is fine, especially when you have 200 rushing yards. You probably should have ended up with more than nine points. I think that goes to Barry Lunny play calling in the red zone. I still like Lunny overall. I think the offense is much improved. The numbers would bear that out. But that that left you wanting. And I don't know if it was an identity crisis that he was going through. When his guy goes down, now Sikowski has to play against an Iowa defense. But oddly enough, he was letting Sitkowski just kind of sling it around. I thought they went way too horizontal. Way too horizontal with Sitkowski. He's got a big arm, not an accurate arm. Use it. And they did in the fourth quarter with two downfield passes. One to Morris, which what a catch. At first, we're looking at who's that guy? Who is that guy? What a catch. He went up and got it. And then a really good one to Hightower as well. So 
Let him go downfield. And if he has to play against Minnesota, that's got to be the recipe. Hopefully McCray comes back and he was dressed. You have Chase Brown, McCray, and you take some shots. And I think you'd be able to hit on a couple against Minnesota. Okay, net rushing yards, 200 for Illinois, 52 for Iowa. You average 4.4 yards per rush against this Iowa defense. That's pretty good. They average 1.7 yards per rush. Passing, not good really for either team. 116 for Illinois and 170 for Iowa. First downs, always like this stat. 18 for Illinois to 13 for Iowa. Total plays, Illinois ran 75. Iowa ran 66. Is that the difference in just letting your defense be a little bit fresher, especially when the time of possession, can I find the time of possession? Oddly enough, I don't seem to see it here, but I know that you won that. And I want to say it was like 32 minutes to 28, which is not the discrepancy we've seen before. Usually it's like 34, 35 minutes, but that's enough. And it matters. You do see the complimentary football. And I know Bielema spoke to that after as well. Offensive efficiency. Illinois was three for four in their red zone trips. Iowa two for three. And that's where all, all the teams got their points. All the kicks were inside of the red zone, I think, or at least those series of downs started within the red zone. Fourth downs, Illinois was three for three on fourth. They were four for 16 on third down. That, that kind of hurts you. Five for 17 for Iowa. Penalties, neither team great. Eight penalties for Iowa for 67 yards and, yeah, seven for Illinois for 60 yards. And here's the time of possession I was talking about. You ended with 31 minutes. So, yeah, that, that, that'll do. That'll do. But how about this, though? Sneaky story of the game was not I about said Blake Hayes because it looked like Blake Hayes out there. It was Robertson punting. And what's cool about this, there are two personal anecdotes about team, uh, let's see, players' parents that we saw around the lots. One, we went to the Illini walk and we saw Hugh Robertson. And I don't know these guys because their helmets are on, so I don't really know their faces. But I see a lady with an orange Robertson jersey on and then this tall guy, and he is tall. I mean, 6'2", 6'3", comes up and gives a big hug to what I presume was his mom. Now, I don't know if his mom flew in from Australia for this or what, but it was cool to see that adds that kind of human aspect to a game that often, because of the helmets, you forget about the dudes inside of the helmet, right? Then as I was walking back to the lots, there's two guys that listen to the podcast. And they say, hey, Carp, nice to meet you and all that. And then kind of, it was so weird how this happened. They pointed this blonde lady and they said, hey, this is Tommy DeVito's mom. And you know, at this point in the tailgate, I'm feeling pretty good. And I said, your son is a badass. And then I asked her, are you a Yankees fan or being from Jersey? She said, absolutely. She complimented the hair and then we gave a little hug and I said, hey, great to meet you. And I know that's just kind of a random aside, but I often have said, I don't want to see parents during telecast or broadcast because I'm so locked into the game. I don't need that personal touch. I'm already personally invested. I don't need to know about these people. I don't know why that is. It sounds kind of callous, but it was cool seeing these parents on a game day, just as pumped, well, more pumped and more nervous than any of us Joe Schmoes that don't have as much skin in the game, right? So just a cool aside and, and back to Robertson, what a game. He out-punted Iowa's All-American punter. I, I think the Iowa's guy's an All-American punter. Eight punts for Iowa. They averaged 41 yards a punt, and they were some good punts. I mean, that guy can get some hang time and pin you deep, but so did Robertson. Six punts, 41 and a half yards per punt. Four of them inside the 20. Three for three field goals. How about that? Your backup kicker. And let me make sure I get Fabrizio. 
and and can you guys how do you pronounce his last name and if you guys can do that phonetically in the uh if you can do that phonetically in the chat i want to make sure i get it right but fabrizio the freshman the redshirt freshman i think he was at army or air force one of the two and he finds out right before the game that he has to kick for this team his post-game interview was posted on alani inquirer's youtube page and just seem just seems like a nice kid, and and here he is thrust into the biggest home game for Illinois football in 15 years, in my in my opinion at least, and he nails all three kicks, and they weren't, you know, just inside of the upright or anything. He he nailed them pretty good. Now I don't know about the velocity and if you would trust him for the 45 yarder or something, but uh, Pintone, thank you, Joseph. So Fabrizio Pintone, how about that? What a story. So your special teams, and yes, you had the muff punt. That wasn't good. But overall, the coverage was fine. The kickoffs were oddly effective in the second half where you started saying, okay, I can't reach the end zone, so I'm going to kick it high. And then instead of a receiver catching it and returning it, it's going to be the blocker in front of him that's not going to do a whole heck of a lot with it. That happened two times at least in the second half, and it kind of worked. I, I find myself doing the same thing and. NCAA football 07 because for whatever reason, Illinois special teams stink in that game. Even though they had Jason Reed, I don't understand why they didn't give him better rating in that game. Oh, man. Ben says, aren't victory hangovers the best? They beat defeat, uh, losing hangovers, that's for sure. And oh, my God. Jeez, Louise. Uh, Blake says, time to get back on the horse carp, crack open a beer, cheers, go Alana. I know that the Bears game will be starting shortly, or it might have just started, so if you guys start tuning out for that, I get it. I'll get to the Bears game whenever. Uh, a friend was texting in our thread last night, hey, if the Bears win, it's a perfect weekend. I'm thinking, it's already a perfect weekend. And I know Cardinals fans, I, I'm sorry that your season ended, so that, that would have put a bit of a damper on it, but when you get a big football win like that, uh, a big Illini football win. I don't care what the Bears do. I like the Bears. I want them to be successful. But for me, the hierarchy is Illini basketball and Illini football. Yankees are up there as well. But other than that, it's really the local thing. If, if Illinois football is doing well, there's just a different buzz to fall. I love this time of year anyways, even when there's bad football. Now that there's good football, I love it even more. It's It's just like the perfect perfect mix. By the way, before I forget, and I know I'm kind of all over the place in this podcast, I got my bobblehead from the Tane Carp Days on display right here. It is Lante's birthday. He has a pretty good stretch of big birthday wins. Back in 2010, Illinois went to Penn State on his birthday, and they won in a very impressive fashion. And then to be able for him to wake up today, celebrate an Illini victory, he's probably in the same boat I, I am, where he doesn't care if the Arizona Cardinals win or not. After a win like last night, I'm just chilling on this NFL Sunday. Okay, Ben has a really good comment here because let's get to some of the individual players that really made an impact. I mentioned the punter and the kicker first. How about that? And usually that would be a bad thing, but for yesterday's game, that actually works out well. Ben mentions, was it Tariq Barnes who was timing the snap multiple times? Yes. Holy crap. Just darted right through the line. He got to the quarterback once. It was just... It was beautiful. And you're right, Ben. You mentioned that it has to be a sign of great coaching. They picked up something on film. It feels nice to know you've got the better group of coaches. You do, Ben. You have the better coaches. You've had the better coaching staff all year long. And until you face, I don't know, Michigan, PJ Flex, good. I still will take this coaching staff over Minnesota's. Yeah, until you 
get Harbaugh and that big money step up in Michigan, then we can have a debate about it. But you're out coaching teams consistently. And when you see Tariq Barnes, who's, I think, a good linebacker, he's just rock solid. These linebackers are kind of going to get forgotten because of the D-line and the secondary and also the scheme that you play. <clears throat> but Tariq Barnes was fantastic last night. That was just so cool. I got I, the one where he got through and got to the quarterback. It was like the quickest five, six yard sack you'll ever see. And that just that got my blood boiling, boiling in a good way. Uh, let's see here from Joseph for the linebackers being quiet the last couple of weeks. They seem to really step up yesterday. Yeah, correct. I, you know, CJ Hart is, I don't know how much of a factor he is. I, I'm not sure if he's healthy or not, but Dark Angelo and Barnes are really coming into their own and they're taking advantage of the fact they got a great defensive line and they got some, they got a safety blanket behind them, right? They got such a good secondary in case they do make it. Uh, I just think it allows them to be aggressive. When you have a defensive line, they can sometimes get to the quarterback on their own and then a secondary that can make plays like that. It just frees them up, I think, to play loose. And Tariq Barnes last night was all over. Dark Angelo looked good as well. He looks the part, that's for darn sure. Let's see from Dave. Yes, Coleman. Oh, my God. It was a beast last night. And that sack, well, not sack, the pressure that led to the Bailey interception, that was a Coleman and Bailey tag team right there. So yes, Coleman is worth mentioning. Matthew Bailey, the Quad Cities kid, who is a freshman. I saw his post-game interview. He does not look like an 18-year-old. And his demeanor is so great. You know, you, we've talked, a few people mentioned in this chat thread about how easy this team is to root for. And like a lot of you have mentioned, I was up late into the night consuming every bit of video that came out. I watched the final drive on Big Ten Network twice. Yeah, I, I'm watching this Matthew Bailey kid and thinking, how did he kind of become this diamond in the rough. Iowa, I guess, according to Jeremy and Joey on their podcast, offered him a walk-on spot, maybe a preferred walk-on. He comes to Illinois instead. He gets the interception that all but seals the deal. And you continue to see whether it's him or Gabe Ackes or the D lineman whose name escapes, his name escapes me right now, that got the late sack. Odalunga or something like that. I I keep thinking of uh, Adewale Agunlie from, if you remember him for the Bears back in the day. But another name that just popped up last night and I thought, who? Oh, wow, another guy making an impact play on defense that's not Newton or Randolph or the guys in the secondary. But yes, Dave, worth mentioning Coleman, who was absolutely incredible. Odaluga, thank you, Joseph. Yeah, and late signing day pickups include McCray as well. Odaluga and Bailey. So that's working out pretty well. From John, that last sack by Odaluga, he was on the ground and just launched himself against Petrus. It, God, man, you're giving me the goosebumps just thinking about that again. Yeah, they're flying around, man. It's one thing to have a good defense, like fundamentally sound, which they are. It's another to have one that is just ruthless. And, and also, when you consider how aggressive they are, early on, it felt like Iowa was maybe using that against Illinois. All the Laporta receptions and I know Jay Layman's talked about when you run man you run the risk of that they're, they're going to get open if you don't get to the quarterback they seem to be using our aggressiveness against us there were a couple plays where Iowa would run heavy on one side and then they'd kind of reverse the field and get a decent gain but we adjusted so fundamentally we're sound right and we're making adjustments in the game but on top of that we're knocking the crap out of opposing teams that's fun I can't wait for the defense to be on the field and not in some sort of as Jeremy and I talked on Wednesday, as Bears fans, we hear, oh, Chicago fans love their great defense. No, eventually I want a good offense. I think with Illinois, the offense is good. I really do think it's a good offense. The defense is elite. 
So when they're on the field, they are something I look forward to. And as long as you pin the other team back, I I feel confident they'll get the stop. And then last night, a new term dubbed by Bielema, he calls them the fire department because they continue to put out fires. So you got the Newton Randolph Law Firm. You got the fire department thing. Bielema, as Jeremy said in his podcast, early, early this morning around, I think they did theirs at like 1231. Yeah, Bielema's really good at coining these phrases and making them stick. Sorry for the voice cracking. I'm surprised it's not doing it more, to be honest. Let's go back to the chat thread here and see what else you guys have. Oh, before I get back to the chat thread here, because there are some more things I'll hit on, some anomalies or statistical anomalies and one here from Illini Stats. The first time since 1989 that the Illini have defeated Iowa and Wisconsin in the same season. Illinois has won three straight games against Big Ten West opponents for the first time since the Big Ten switched to East-West divisions in 2014. They're on a five-game winning streak, home winning streak for the first time since 2014-15. So what would that be? Uh, Let's see, 2014, you beat Penn State at home at the end of it, and then maybe you won your first four in 2015. Illinois is the only team in the country to not allow a touchdown at home this season. Still, no touchdowns. And I sh- I knew that during the game, but it still took me as I was walking out to uh, the lots afterwards. Wow. Uh, yet again, no touchdowns. I thought Iowa would get one, and it looked like they might have on defense, but no. Just incredible. What a stat. And we'll see if that continues next week. Will Minnesota finally get in the end zone? I have said before, what if this team just plays great at home and you hold serve? It's possible. It's especially possible that the defense is just fantastic at home. I mean, they're fantastic everywhere. They tra- Defense travels, as they say. But for some reason, now this thing's building. And on homecoming with a big crowd, that defense is going to enter the game saying, we are not going to give up a touchdown. And I'm not going to hold anything past them at this point. They're that good. The Illini defense has allowed 221 yards on 142 carries over the last five games. yards per rush. This coming after, keep in mind, they gave up, I think, 160 or 170 to Wyoming. Wyoming's not bad, by the way. They're winning games now. By the way, Wisconsin might not be bad, or Northwestern may just be terrible, or both things may be true after they smoked Northwestern last night. More from Alani Stats. Chase Brown ranks third in the nation in all-purpose yards, 927, despite not having kick or punt return duties. That's sick. And not surprising because he is phenomenal. Illinois has only allowed allowed only a touchdown over its last 53 drives. 53 drives, one touchdown. Overall, Illinois has allowed only three touchdowns on 79 opponent drives. The Illini lead the nation in fewest touchdowns allowed. Yes, consider the schedule. But you got to play the teams in front of you. And as the competition has ramped up, and it has in Wisconsin and in Iowa, even though Iowa's offense is terrible, you're doing what you got to do, and you're you're doing it very well. So I'm not going to dock them points for not playing the likes of Alabama. You play the team in front of you. You've dominated the teams in front of you on defense. From Illini Stats, Illinois won a game without scoring a touchdown for the first time since October 20th, 1990, a 15-13 win at home over Michigan State. And one more about Chase Brown. He leads the nation in yards after contact, according to uh, Pro Football Focus College, 
And he ranks third in the nation in forced missed tackles with 40 and fourth in the nation in first down runs with 40. I'm going to read that set again. 515 yards after contact, which every running back needs to have yards after contact. He is just exceptionally good at it. It's kind of odd that in goal line situations, they haven't had as much success. And I don't know why they didn't on the second and four that became the interception at the one, which that and the Sitkowski draw or whatever you want to call it. Disastrous play calls. And I know the execution wasn't there, but still disastrous calls. You got Chase Brown. Barry Lunny has shown an ability to learn from the previous week's mistakes. The DeVito three quarterback sneaks at Wisconsin showed that he learned, I just got to punch it. When I'm at the one, I just got to punch it in with my guy. I would hope that they can become more reliant on Chase in the red zone. I think it'll pay off. When you got numbers like that, I don't care how much the defense is creeping up. Chase can break through. I, I think he can. So... Very interesting stats for a very interesting team, or I should say stats that indicate just how dominant they've been on defense and how good the run game is. That travels, that plays everywhere, defense and running, and I know it's an old adage. I remember thinking when Bielema got here, I don't need it to be exciting football. Well, guess what? When you're winning, it's exciting. Nine to six is exciting when you've got the nine and Iowa has the six. I can't say nine to six will be fun every year. I prefer to not have another one of those games if I were able to choose to not have them. But for what it was, it was actually pretty darn fun. Alani Brickle says, overall decent composure and felt like less penalties. You know, six penalties for 70 yards is not terrible. It really isn't. And I agree with the composure. I thought that the, what was initially called the targeting on Sidney Brown, or they reviewed it at least for it. I was out in the concession area when that happened. I saw the replay a couple times on TV Clear that he was not targeting, but they still called late hit or whatever. Fine. Uh, it was a hard hit. I thought it was a clean hit. I don't think it was that late. And then they get Petrus, which is the offsetting penalties, you know, whatever. But Big Tota says, Spoon kept his composure and drew no unsportsmanlike penalties. Yeah, for a guy that plays with that violence, he is a violent player. He's so fun to watch. The first play of the game for Iowa. Spoon's there to just knock that crap out of the guy. And I thought, oh, here we go. My voice was basically like this five minutes into the game. I need to take better care of it. But man, when you're in the moment and you're having so much fun, it's worth it, man. Lose your voice. It's all good. Let's see if there's anything else here in the ah, coaches poll came out. Joseph, Illinois 27th. You may not get ranked this week. And I got to be honest, I'm okay with that. I, of course, would love the attention that comes with it. But I will take any sort of mental edge. And I think Bieleman knows how to play off that a lot like how Underwood does. He knows how to hit buttons. He didn't make the Iowa game about him, and he didn't make the Wisconsin game about him, and that's a credit to Bielema. I think the players made it about Bielema more than Bielema himself. But I think any bulletin board material, they might feel like they've arrived, but if they go into this week not ranked, despite being 5-1, and one, that means they're still doubters. And I will take... I'll stretch out this chip on the shoulder thing as long as you need to, as long as it helps you keep winning games. Now that I think being ranked or unranked is the difference in how they perform on Saturday against Minnesota, they'll be ready to play regardless. Isn't it nice to know that your team's going to be ready to play? That's the other thing too. All this talk, you know, we went into some of the individuals and, and some of the stats that really stand out that indicate how good this team is. But the key thing is this, as I kind of mentioned in the opening segment, I'm a, I'm a true believer now. I just think that, wait a second, this works. This kind of football works, and I trust the coaching staff to have them ready 
every week. Does not mean you're going to win every game. I understand that. There's going to be another disappointment or two this year, but that will come down to execution less than it would, I think, any sort of mental lack of preparedness. They'll be ready. It just comes down to executing. And sometimes, any given Saturday, the other team might just make a few more plays than you do. That said, would I amend my prediction? I'm going to stay at eight and four for now. I'm going to stay at eight and four. Not knowing who the quarterback is for Minnesota, I, I feel good about that game regardless, but this is still a team that, as we saw last night, might shoot themselves in the foot one too many times. Iowa, the offense was not good enough to overcome, uh, or I should say take advantage of, or capitalize on Illinois' mistakes. Minnesota's offense would be if you run into the same issues. I think they will get cleaned up. This team's also shown a good ability to bounce back from those messy affairs. After Virginia, you had two very clean games against Chattanooga and Wisconsin. Maybe you got your ugly game out of your system against Iowa, and you come out guns blazing against Minnesota. I would not be surprised by that either. I, I do feel good about it, but yet I'm going to hold the 8-4-1 and four, one out of you know protective measures to not get too high, but also to not knowing the status of DeVito and knowing that the likes of Minnesota and Purdue and Michigan loom and that there's weird things like, I mean, listen, I think you beat Nebraska. I do, especially after a bye week, but college football gets weird. I'll stick with eight and four, but I'll say this. There's a better than 50% shot that they go nine and three, I think. So if I were a betting man, I would take the over seven and a half. I would take a few seconds to think about over eight and a half. And for a team that at the beginning of the year was four and a half, that was the over under in Vegas for this team, four and a half. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Speaks to the remarkable turnaround that Bielema and his staff have done here. And let's just ride this wave. I mean, I'm going to be slap happy the rest of the day. As I think Ben, you said, victory hangovers are the best. Yeah, they are. I need to get more of this Gatorade down because ugh, barf. I, I didn't do that. It wasn't that bad. But I also noticed part of the reason that I'm so parched is the emotional factor of this game that I've alluded to and, and talked a bit about. I expended a whole lot of endorphins last night in that stadium. I'm kind of in a daze today. I, I'm not quite sure still how to process having a football team that I can rely on in a way. And rely is a big word, but as Trevor and Isaac and I were texting earlier today, we all have this odd sense of calm and a a sense of security that they are going to hurt us like teams before. And if there are disappointments, it's just going to be because the other team made a few more plays. It's not going to be out of silliness uh, or, as I mentioned, a lack of preparedness or coaching They're going to be ready to go. They've been ready to go now, not just these six games, but go back to last year. The Rutgers game was disappointing, but really from Penn State last year to now, this has been a different football program, and I don't see any signs of it reverting. It does feel like it's sustainable and that you got the guy at the top of it, they'll keep it. So for me, yeah, there's the the physical hangover part of it, but the emotional part of it where it was so damn fun and it was such a long time coming. And for something that means so much to so many people, I was just both spent and also wired last night. So I'm paying the price for that today and what is a sleepy Sunday, but that's okay. I would happily feel that way after Minnesota and after the game at Michigan, whatever it may be. uh, This team still has a few more 
highlights up their sleeves. We're only halfway through the season. They're already 5-1. and 5-1, and one, this Illinois football team, and they are a legit 5-1. and one. And I think that's a far cry, as Trevor was texting this morning to us, a far cry from, let's say, 2011, where you started 6-0, and oh, but it still had a crazy comeback against Northwestern to do that. And the schedule, talk about a light schedule, that was pretty light. You did beat an Arizona State team based on the strength of your defense, but the cracks had already been showing in the Zook program. I don't see those cracks right now. And I, I Illini football fans, are they are attuned to finding those cracks. We're looking for them, right? We're, we're waiting for the bottom to fall out, and it hasn't yet, and I don't know if it will. So let's just have fun with this, and, and don't worry and don't fret about, oh, God, this can, this can flip. I, I guess it could because anything's possible. It is sports, but this feels different. I hope the Iowa game was enough to get people to say, you know what, I'm in, and I understand and I understood for at least half the game last night why people would want to keep an arm's length because they don't want to get hurt and they don't want to put that time and energy and money into another disappointment when they've seen so many. But now, two big wins in a row, two very different wins. You can win any sort of style out there. And Minnesota on homecoming on what looks to be a beautiful Saturday in the fall. Come on. beautiful! It does not get better than this. It doesn't. So enjoy every minute. I am. I'm soaking it in. All week long at school, it just it makes everything better. It makes your work week better because you can always just fall back and say, "Oh yeah, we're five and one," and that that's cool. Five and one. How many times in my life has this team been five and one? Well, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl years for sure. Started six and zero in two thousand eleven. Yeah, not often, and I don't remember the McAvick era. I was too young for that. So this is something that doesn't happen a lot, and you start to notice the way that. Analysts on Big Ten Network, for example, Joshua Perry, who I think was the linebacker for Ohio State back in the day, couldn't have been more complimentary. And Denardo has been on board from day one. Yet you start to notice there is a genuine respect that people in the know have for Bielema and the way he's doing this. And gosh darn it, I forget if it was Jeremy, if it was last time the final drive. I think it was the final drive, and maybe it was Joshua Perry talking about this. That... This is this is easy to root for Bielema in this case. Like the, the journey that he has had in his career and, and hearing him talk and, and recognizing there's an authenticity to him. I don't think there's a lot of fluff to Brett Bielema. Just because he's a smooth talker and a good talker doesn't mean that he's blowing smoke. I really do think he is appreciating this opportunity in a way that his previous stops he did not. He was maybe a little bit too big for his britches back then. And you know what? When you're younger, that happens. So I do buy into the notion that this is a guy who is loving this and really just grateful to be in this position. And I'm grateful he's here. And I'm grateful that we got a 5-1 and football team and many more wins to come this year and beyond. So strap in, Illini fans. Are you feeling good? I'm feeling great. Gosh darn it. I'm, I mean, maybe not great physically at the moment, but we'll get there. Yikes. Or my voice, which will be better when we come back midweek. And we will get a midweek podcast in there as well. All right. Big Tota says, I'll be happy for the upcoming bye week, but right now I want Alani football all the time. Me too. What the heck am I going to do in the bye week weekend? Uh, We'll do plenty of podcasts and have some fun. Basketball will be starting soon as well. Funny how basketball is an afterthought. 
It's like, guys, sorry, I don't have time for you. I saw Underwood in the lot yesterday. He was great meeting with fans and all that, as he he is, because he's he's a pro. He knows how to mingle and and really make fans feel like they're part of it. But I, as we walk past the basketball tailgates, like that's cool. Okay, we gotta go see this football team. And for so many years, it's been the complete inverse of that. Uh, we begrudgingly go into the game. Oh, hey, there's the basketball team. We got them to look forward to. Nah. Basketball will come, but right now, this is where it's at. Wow. Uh, this was at Big Tota. Brett said in the post game that he told Whitman we would get the best version of him. I think we are. And if you were an opposing fan, you might listen to this and roll your eyes and say, good God, fanboy carpus, fanboying out. But you know what? I do find, as I mentioned, authenticity in what Bielema has been saying and how he's been acting. And we got lucky. The timing was right. You could have fired Lovey after the... COVID year was it 2020 well no you did so you could have you could have fired lovey after the third year and i would have been fine with that but timing really is everything the fact that abilmo was there and the timing seemed right for him to jump back into the college ranks and from the outset he knew how he wanted to build this and you don't need to tear it down to the studs i appreciate the fact that he's been malleable and adapted to this transfer portal, still utilizing JUCO, getting some good four-year high school players, doing whatever you need to do to piece together a roster that can win right away, and yeah, using some of Lovey's better recruits, because Lovey did leave some talent here. I will give him that, but maximizing it, and continually finding these new names that we, who? This guy got a sack? That guy got an interception? Where did they come from? Well, that's happening more and more, which tells you this is a healthy program, and those names are going to keep emerging. So I could stay here all day, everybody. I really could. I mean, what the heck? We've been here for almost an hour. I'm having so much fun doing this. I hope you guys have a great Sunday. Go Bears. I mean, heck, the game has been going on for a half hour now. It's at Minnesota, so I don't feel great about that. But maybe it's just one of those weekends where everything comes up orange and blue. We'll see. Before I get out of here, got to thank our sponsors. We really appreciate them. DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, order online at dpdoe.com. Also, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior projects, that's rectorconstruction.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life Auto Home Business Renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating heating and Air and Plumbing, excuse me, guys, if you're tired of your high energy bills or if those kids, those pesky kids are using all the hot water before you get in the shower, give Dogtown a call. They have a Renai Energy Star rated tankless water heater they can install. It would be well worth your money. Expert technicians, great customer service as always from Dogtown Heating, Air and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. All right, Illini fans. Oh, Alana Inquire, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. We appreciate them as well. Had a great time talking with Jeremy last week. We'll be back with a midweek podcast, and I'll let you know what time that will be. I would assume Wednesday evening. Homecoming week. Five and one football team. Beautiful fall weather. Soak it in. I sure am. And we'll see you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level. 200 level.